Hello guys and welcome to this episode of the podcast. On this episode, I have the wonderful, powerful, inspirational and motivating Simone O'Brien. Simone O'Brien is a domestic violence advocate. She's a survivor and a public speaker. She, she sits down and talks about her experiences surviving domestic violence, um, escaping death essentially to now speak about it today and advocate strongly against domestic violence. Um, she's worked with several football clubs, including Western Bulldogs and the Carlton Football Club, um, advocating against domestic violence and the importance to identify um, anything going wrong regarding domestic violence and family violence. Um, it's also important to note that in these current times and these restrictions that this is on the rise, so please look after your neighbours. Please keep in touch some way, shape or form that you can. I know it's hard, you can't pop over to households, but look after each other in general. We're all struggling mentally and physically with the issues that are facing these more um, releasing restrictions. So please enjoy this episode with Simone O'Brien. She's an amazing, inspiring individual. Um, I'm so blessed to have talked to her. And again, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful Lido Lada Cafe in Portland. Still doing takeaways, guys. So go down and grab a roll, focaccia, panini, your breakfast or coffee takeaway. Enjoy, guys. Love you all. You! Listeners, Snake Edwards on the recorder here. This one's a belter. Um, Simone O'Brien, welcome to a chat with Pat podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on. Um, for people that may not know you, I've seen you talk twice, and I think a lot of people are going to get something out of this, mainly in relation to your incredible inspirational story um, in relation to domestic violence and surviving a horrific incident, but you've made it into a passion of yours and spreading the word and also doing some work with the Western Bulldogs and amongst other great feats that you've done. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks Thanks so much for asking. From sunny Queensland. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think it's very important, I think, to note that um, anyone that might be listening to this and might feel uncomfortable with just... um, Obviously, please, let's all take a moment to step back and note those feelings and have to be in a safe place to really talk about this issue because especially in this time, and I'll be interested to know your thoughts in isolation with domestic violence um, is quite concerning amongst many other things along with mental health at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, Simone, your story, as I said, is very, very inspirational, um, but also, you know, if we have to know, it's quite horrific and... um, when did this all start? If we want it right, right back, Simone, well, yeah. when did this all start when, when um, you know, with, I guess, this man and, and when things kind of turned? When did this yeah, start? absolutely. Well, it was actually um, um, early 2012 uh, when I made a connection um, with, with the, is it okay if I use the word perpetrator? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, perpetrator um, because I was a single mum of three children and they were at an age of, you know, 15, 12 and 10. And so I was, you know, working two jobs, you know, to um, afford their, their living lifestyle yeah. with sport and et cetera. And um, I thought, well, um, you know, I don't have to worry about nappies and different things like that anymore. So I thought maybe it's time. I was 37 to have um, a partner in my life. And um, that's when I went on to the um, social side of things and uh, got an internet dating site I'm not a person to go out to nightclubs and pubs and things like that. I just love being with my children. And that's, I was scrolling through, obviously having a look at the men and um, I come across a real estate man um, in which 
prior to children, I'd been in real estate and I thought, well, he's got his police check. He's got to be okay. And um, so I clicked on him and um, obviously we connected and we met up and he met the children. And, uh, but then over a period of, of nine months, little red flags grew and um, they were minor. He never said the word SHIT in front of the children or myself, you know, obviously never raised a, a fist or anything. And, um, a man who would open the car doors for myself and the children to get into. But these little red flags were minor. You know, it was, well, my, my poor son, Zach, was getting, I was grounding him because, you know, my contacts were being deleted out of my phone. And I'm saying, Zach, please don't do that. And after four or five times, I soon realised it wasn't Zach. And, um, you know, stealing money out of my purse, once again, Zach was getting the blame, but I figured it out, you know, you know your, your children and the way he was acting when I was saying, you know, mate, you're grounded. It, it wasn't him. And then and sending me flowers to work, not just, you know, once every couple of weeks, it was every day. It was just that controlling at work as well because obviously I didn't have a partner, hadn't had a partner for a very long time. And they might seem minor little red flags, but little red flags go into big red flags really quickly. And so it was all about the controlling of myself because, you know, I was on my phone a lot because of the three children organising them, et cetera. Um, and so that's when I ended it um, after the nine months because of these little red flags. And I knew nothing about domestic violence at this stage. And um, so I ended it on Monday, the 25th of September, 2012. And um, by the end of that night, I was actually fighting for my life. They didn't think I was going to survive. And um, I... He came around that night um, once I ended it that day and um, knocked at the door and he said, can we talk about this? And um, I, you know, obviously teaching my children to be respectful and um, that's where I thought, well, I've got to talk to him. I'd only, you know, text him over my phone to end the relationship and and he said, can I come in and talk to you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So that's why we went into the bedroom and um, they you know, we're talking, he's asking me questions, you know, why are you ending it? Why, you know, and I said, look, let's just be friends. I'm busy with the children. I'm not giving a hundred percent into our relationship because I haven't got the time. And he just didn't like no for an answer. Um, and that's where he, you know, I walked in and I don't know whether I was tripped or he pushed me down to the ground. And that was the next minute I looked up and um, there was a baseball bat coming down on my arm, you know, obviously onto my face because I was on the ground and, I knew my arm was broken because it was um, dipping and that's why I yelled out to the children to come and help me. And from then on, you know, I received 45 to 50 hits to the right side of my face. That's why I look a little bit strange. And, um, yeah, so from that, you know, fighting for my life, my my children, the Monday night and the Tuesday night, both nights had to come and say goodbye to me because they didn't think I was going to pull through. But um, I'm here now. After 52 operations, uh, a loss of eye, loss of smell. This whole side is now titanium plated with an implant here. All my jawline was all smashed in uh, where I can only open my jaw like two mil. But um, my determination and that never give up attitude has um, got me here today and speaking to you about domestic violence. Yeah. And then, then this is the third time I've seen, heard you speak and it never ceases to amaze me how inspirational yeah. you are. Um, but I think if we talk on that educational side of things on domestic violence, I think, like you said, you yourself didn't have any idea about what it was and no. what exactly defined domestic violence. And especially now, since the Royal Commission, there's been a big spotlight on it, especially Absolutely. in my work, in um, social work. But 
yeah. you're exactly right. Like um, so many well, women and males, you know, or partners, no matter who they are, who experience domestic violence, just that education of seeing those red flags. Absolutely. So to, so to speak, what was some of the most alarm? I mean, obviously you had some hindsight, I guess, in calling it off and yes. seeing these red flags. What was some of the things that you experienced, especially in regards to this man? And one of the big themes that you mentioned was controlling. I mean, yes. Was yep. there anything else other like trying to fracture your relationship with your kids? No. He, financial, um, financial stuff. Like these yeah, are things that I think people need to really hear and educate themselves on. These, these absolutely. Yeah. Well, the financial side, obviously um, he was taking money out of my own wallet, you know, for, to, to give him money. So he looks like he's buying me flowers type of thing, but it was really my money he was stealing until I figured that out. The biggest point was um, because Zach, um, who was 10 at the time, hadn't had his dad, like no male figure in his life, Zach really leached onto him. And, you know, he'd take him to get an ice cream, take him to the beach and really did all that type of stuff. And I'd actually tried to end it I told the children six weeks prior to this that you know I needed to end it It just wasn't sitting well the red flags in my tummy and it was actually Zach you know he said to me no mummy no he's a really nice man you know I like him and so that's why I lasted it to the time it did and that's when they reckon that because he leached Zach in and you know Zach thought he was a great man that that he actually planted the baseball bat in my room. He got wind that I was, you know, thinking of ending it. Um, and that's how the baseball bat. Yeah. So that, that control and, um, you know, I suppose um, sucking the children in to yeah. think that he is a nice man and, Manipulation. you know, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, from that, I suppose um, I've learnt too that he manipulated Gabby, the eldest, no, no, she was switched on. She didn't like him. Um, and she admits it was like our relationship because I had to give him a little bit of time. She was like my best friend. And, yeah, she never gelled with him at all. But getting back to saying that, how he manipulated Trev, um, Zach, he, um, I actually found out after the court hearing, and this is why the red flags and me thinking that because he had a real estate licence, he was okay, he was uh, you know, a good guy, not at all. And this is why we need to speak up and report everything because he'd actually, at the court hearing, two wives actually came forward and he actually assaulted the first one. She didn't report it. He assaulted the second one and even to the extent attacked her parents. Still no report. So I'm a third wheel here. And if those other two women had reported him, he wouldn't have got his real estate licence. So I would not have met him. But also, like, it's, it's our next generations we need to look out for. So we need to keep reporting to not let this happen again um, to, to any other women. And, you know, I suppose I'm in protection of my daughters, having my own daughters and um, me advocating and bringing all these little manipulation and control. And they might not seem much at the time, but exactly. it's domestic violence, yeah. yeah. It's knowing the early signs. I mean, you know, and that the thing of just... Oh, I guess and it's just education where it's just like, oh, why don't you just leave him? You know, they get yes. and why don't you just leave him? I think that gets in, in, intertwined in the fact that I think some people do forget that some people are just generally in love and it's the hardest yes. feeling that to separate. You know, Absolutely. Like working with yeah. clients and that, that often gets mistaken. I mean, 
everyone remembers the time when they feel in love. It's like you feel on top of the world. And so it is just, you know, so hard. And like what I really want to touch on with you today about the current situation with families being in isolation and the prolonged effects. Absolutely. I was wondering what, how you're feeling, what you're thinking about some worries and concerns at the moment. I mean, not only for services, but for individuals as well. Experience. Absolutely. You know, especially when they're, they're locked inside um, with their, their, their partner day and night, they can't escape. And, you know, and then it, you know, it turns into even sexual assault and different things like that, because that manipulation and they're, and they're, you know, just stuck at home with everything. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously it can escalate so quickly, like my little red flags do. I want to touch on as well is the children being at home because going to school is a safe place for a lot of children. And, and that's, I suppose, yes, the female and the male have, have their issues, but the children are seeing it all. And this is what the, the mental side for them um, is why we need to get schools back in and, and out of this lockdown um, because it's not, it's not good at all for, for their own, for the children and next generations because they're seeing it day in and day out. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, in regards to the, to the, perpetra- the perpetrator himself, yeah. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you ended it, did you have any feelings at the time thinking that something like, I know you would never think something could happen, but was there ever something from feelings from these red flags that you thought mm, something wasn't fully right? Or were you at peace with that? And then did you- I was at peace. Um, I actually, it was a relief because on my way into to work, I worked in um, transport main roads in the CBD in Brisbane and catching the train in and I didn't know how to end it because I hadn't been through any yeah. situation before. And, um, so I ended up just texting him because I thought short, sharp. And do you know what? I felt relieved, um, not thinking that he would even come to the home um, after I got home from work at all. And, yeah, so I didn't see anything, any sign that he would come back and do this. And I suppose because I didn't know his history with other women um, and being a real estate man, I, I just thought I'd, I was doing the right thing and ending it. And, yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, in regards to... I guess that day. Yeah. Um, was something that we noted that what kind of, I guess you mentioned when you obviously just spoke a couple of times, that there was a, a shining light and there were three Pacific Islander men. Was that correct? Your neighbors? Yes. Yeah. Yes. My neighbors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. you know, to me now it's given me a new look at life and, I don't care what nationality people are. We all need to be one and fight this domestic violence. And yes, um, two on one side of me, I had Samoans and on the other side of me, I had um, South African older couple. And if it wasn't for them um, coming in when my children were were at the front yelling out for help and which they thought that were playing games because obviously there was never any domestic violence. And um, that's when they came in and had to put their, their life on hold, um, to help myself and also with a South African lady, she was sitting there and she knew because the children said originally that I just had a broken arm when they went to get them because they seen my arm broken. Um, but by the time she got in there after all the, the strikes that I got, she knew to get dry towels and wrap it around my head to keep my, my head and everything together. Um, so, you know, she came in still in her work clothes and, she acted with no gloves or anything. And obviously there was a lot of blood. So it's getting to know your neighbors. Um, I didn't know them, you know, that I'd have them in for dinner or anything, but it's just that, hi, how are you going? You're okay. Do you need a hand? And I suppose being single, they knew I did everything. And um, 
So, look, they both different nationalities put their life on hold, you know, with no gloves and blood and whatnot um, to help, you know, keep me alive. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then the three Samar men had infiltrated just in time after she came in. Was that correct? I mean, for yes. Yeah, so they, they took him out the front and um, obviously a, a little giggle there. The police said, you know, don't do anything to him because he'll be able to turn it back. But they, they tell me that um, they got a knee in his back and they planted his face into the dirt until the <laughs> Dibby van came. So they're, they're like big gentle giants. They, um, they wouldn't, you know, hurt anyone anyway, but they were, they were pretty chuffed that they were able yeah. to, to do that to him. So, yeah. So, yeah. And that's where I, I cannot thank them enough for what they did Um you know, on that, that, that evening to, to put their life at stake. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously, I guess after this, there was, you know, we think that, you know, you're safe and you're living and you're fine. But from my perspective, there's still so much work to do from your end. Like you had 52 surgeries and all yeah. the trauma and the mental battles and time in hospital and, you know, you having to rely on who's going to look after the kids being a single mother absolutely how, how was that process it's um it was tough and the first couple of years my brain was actually still mush it um it's not clear thinking like it is now so i couldn't really uh if someone asked me a question i wouldn't really answer it i'd just say oh whatever you think is okay but now even like we're on to eight years um in september and um, that this happened to me but you know what it's um still every day is um it's a re- recovery it's it's treatment i've still got to do on myself um like it takes an hour in the morning an hour at night to dress up and dress down and that's just you know treating my wounds you know what is around my body but as in for operations and you know going to hospitals and everything like that's where i'm i'm a prisoner sort of in my own body for the rest of my life um i've got to have treatment you know on my jaw i'm in the process of getting a new I show after you know so many operations because this one leaks now and obviously with COVID um, I can't get into state um, to get that so my treatment um, the mental side of it you know it's 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 hard it's hard for me because I can't keep going on a positive note like I have up until now because I can't have the treatment um, that I require um, because of the borders being shut and it's just something I'm mentally I've you know, I still have counselling and Reiki and I'm not ashamed to say that at all because it's something that is, is helping me keep going in, in that positive outlook that treatment will resume as soon as the borders are open. So I've just got to keep going day to day, yeah. um, looking after myself. Yeah. And, and, and it's totally right. And I guess I can only imagine just how stressful that. So how many, how long were you in hospital for? So no? Um, at, at, at the, like I've been in and out the whole time. Yeah. Um, obviously at the start I was, um, yeah. in an induced coma and then the brain, re- um, the neurosurge ward. And then I had to go to a brain rehab, um, because I didn't even know how to, you know, do up a bra or anything like that. Your brain is just so You're much. Starting so. From scratch pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even I, um, I can remember um, arguing with a nurse in the brain rehab ward because I didn't know. No one was allowed to tell me what had happened because I didn't know how affected my brain was. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to get up and go to the toilet. And I remember arguing with the nurse and she says, oh, you don't need to, you don't need to. And I said, I'm a female. Every female needs to go to the toilet. And I yeah. didn't realise I had a catheter and everything in. It was just, you know, my brain being so mush. So it's 
it's a it's been a huge learning curve and um you know finding out even as i speak to you today i find out different things what has happened to me and what did happen and obviously the doctors that saved my life um are my best friends and you know they're one day they will sit down um you know when i'm in a in a good mental um position space and tell me the exact ins and outs of, of everything and, you know, every operation and different things. So, you know, that's something I'll, you know, look forward to in the future. I'm not ready for it now, but um, yeah. 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 Um, and then after that and the recovery start, I guess the court proceedings happened. Yep. Yeah. Was that quite a diligent time for you? I could imagine for you and the kids. A- absolutely. Um, we both did, um, the children were interviewed three weeks earlier um, by video. So that was all video done. And that was um, my middle daughter, Ashlyn. Um, it affected her the most. And he's still, she still has anxiety and depression now as I speak to you. Um, and she, on the court hearing day, the children had to go into a room by themselves and there was a, a counsellor in with them. Um, I couldn't go in with them and, they didn't want to, um, especially Ashton, that was really hard to get her in there because the counsellor was actually a male. Yeah. If I had a female counsellor to go in the room with her, it would have been totally different. But um, it's those little things, the mental side of it, you don't realise until you're actually um, in that position. And, yeah, that was really tough, really tough. Yeah. If you mind me asking, how are the kids separately now? How are they now? Um, yeah, um, Gabby's doing okay. Um, she is um, a determined um, young lady and, yeah, she has um, ups and downs but not as bad as Ashlyn. Um, even going back to August last year, I was in having an operation and Ashlyn rings me in, in Queensland and she actually wanted to, to do away with herself. She didn't want to live. Um, you know, that was just all building up still inside her and you know even now um you know she doesn't want to go too far from myself um you know she's much very much for homebody and so yeah she still has um problems you know every day um because of it her anxiety just goes through the roof zach um he's he's doing okay but you can see his anger issues um he needs you know constant help with that because he just gets really angry um you know taking blame i suppose for making the relationship go that little bit longer and, and not thinking of myself as a, as a person that you're just seeing him as a, a good man type of thing. So it's, yeah, as I say, it's not just me, it's affected. It's, it's a, a lot of people that the yeah. extended family. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I saw this stat. I think domestic violence has is it 22 billion or million or no million or something. It, it costs the, it's somewhere done. It was on IHW, cost the Australian government, just the effects yeah. that it has on everything. So like you said, the family, the trauma, hospital visits. I mean, absolutely. was it four in six or five in six women experienced domestic violence? Something ridiculous. That's ridiculous, yeah. No, it's, yeah. And, and, you know, I know myself, um, my victims of crime. Yeah. Well, Bill, you know, that it's, it's ridiculous, you know, and, this is because a man, a perpetrator, didn't want to take no for an answer. Do you know what I mean? It's um, it's the money side of things that it's money we could be putting into something else to teach our children to be better people than, than you know, it's not just men. Women are perpetrators as well, but I suppose our figures are just showing that it's it's men. And 
And that's where we need to, you know, men to reach out and get help. Us women were put on this earth for a reason and it's it's not to be treated like that. Yeah, know? yeah. It, as a male, it, it boils my blood. Yeah. I've had experience, like, not going to my family where being affected somewhat and then um just not that but even male on male the, the one i mean to sure you get somewhat traumatized by the king hits and just yes. general use of violence in yeah in the, the world in our society today and just also keys just breaking down somewhat i think you might agree the gender stereotype stuff as well yeah yeah where we can you know go a long way in kind of changing this epidemic and, absolutely yeah. absolutely and it's because it's not just females losing their lives it's children i think we're you know whether it's i don't know if it's 11 or 13 children have lost their their lives this year because of domestic violence and you know that's not that's not on yeah it isn't it's, it's heartbreaking but do you do you think we're getting somewhere like i'd like to see your perspective like what are some things that we can do as a society and people can do from simone's yeah experience is is um obviously bystanders keep speaking up that's what we want don't let if you hear something next door just report it you, do, you can go in anonymous um get whoever it is to speak about it you know if you see a little red flag or or they say something that oh is that is that right you know don't be don't be afraid to, to say you know is everything okay at home i'm here for you because if you keep saying it to them, they'll eventually break and say, oh, look, such and such, he did this to me last night. I just don't know what to do. Is it going to escalate any further? Just to put that little... Um, Accountability. Boundary, yeah. Absolutely, that it's not okay, you know, and it's okay to speak about it. And I, that's why I share my story and um, tell it open and honestly because if I can speak up, someone else will speak up and we'll just keep that conversation going about domestic violence, that it, it's not okay to be, you know, treated that way. Or if we can get that positivity into it, that people will speak up and we can keep getting on top of it instead of the epidemic getting um, worse, in which it is worse, but people are seeming to speak more about it, um, which is great. And yeah. I love going to functions and people coming up to me and saying, oh, you know, he did this. I said, well, let's act on that. You know, if we act on it together and you're not alone it's easier than um than being alone completely agree and also that we really need to break down i think these notions of that oh well he, he didn't hit her it's all right or you know the amount of times i hear that or yeah even emotional abuse and manipulation i'm sure Absolutely. you know with technology of course and young teens and stuff like that photos and videos that's not okay and no it's it's really like you said calling out and blokes are calling out other blokes and it's not all right mate if you speak to her like that or anything like because you don't know what's going on behind the doors absolutely that's right yeah and you know blokes are around and they're having beers and you know one of them says oh f and b you know she cooked a shit tea last night or something like that's where we could be picked up you know don't be like that she's cooking for you you know just that instant little thing it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be back in a swearing mode but you know that's where perpetrators do just put them down and down and you know that's where we do have to pick them up in that you know that beer drinking mode type of thing exactly so, yeah. yeah and that's that gender stereotype kind of role yeah. i mean Absolutely. You know, it's it's not, it's not okay and, and calling no. is, is very much the start of it all just like anything i mean with the 
the racial issues coming into play as well, calling people out and educating themselves it's, it, that it's not okay. It's, it's, much, it. it's much the same um, somewhat yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I suppose with my neighbours being two totally different nationalities and we've all got to work as one. doesn't matter, you know, if we've got black hair or black skin or white skin and da-da-da, you know, it, or our facial features are different. It's just in the domestic violence space, it's just got to be one. We've just got to be a team and, and work together. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as a, a bloke, the one that really gets me is the king hit stuff. Yeah. Talk violence in here. So what are your, I mean, obviously, like we touched on it before, but what are some ways around that? I mean, in your, in your perspective, your <laughs> thoughts, I mean, when we look at the most of the time, this happens, substances and alcohol yeah. being one of them is always coming into play. I mean, uh, what do you feel about that, that one? Yeah, and, and you're exactly right with the, the substance and the alcohol. And it's normally, at, you know, two in the morning or something. And that's, you, I suppose you've got to look at the bigger picture. Like, you know, do you start shutting things earlier or limit the, I, uh, that I... I find uh, really hard because then if it's men king hitting men um, or then is the man going home and doing it to the woman that we don't see, do you know what I mean? It's because it's the men hitting the men, it's out in the streets. So, of course, that's recorded and whatever done. But the man's going home and doing it to the female at home, like that's where we need the bystanders help to speak about that. General accountability. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, because there's more when the king hit. There's normally a group of men. It's not normally, well, the one person can be on their own, but then there's, you know, normally three or four other men that are doing it type of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, um, absolutely, yeah, so that's, um, it's a, it's a hard one because it's normally men on men, but then the man can go home from that same situation and yeah. do it to the female. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's in regards to, you know, the, the male and female violence. It's like, I've always been brought up the notion, you know, a woman brought you into this earth. You yeah. Have yeah. You have the right, you, you never treat them with any disrespect at all. No. Yeah, and that's I was it. just built on those values, but, you know, we do know that sometimes traumatic events, like people were taught them and to think and these kids, you know, like their brains are so, the sponges, they're taught that violence is the way that you handle things and really continuously to educate, call them out is the way that we can learn. That's right. And that's, you know, with um, children being stuck at home in this COVID, it's um, uh, they're, they're learning all the bad traits. And, you know, um, some of the seminars I've been, you know, the baby can actually pick up domestic violence in the womb. Um, yeah, if, I've heard that study, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that's where it's just monkey say, monkey do otherwise. And so we're not going to change for our next generations coming through if we, we we don't speak up about it. Yeah. Now, after your recovery, I guess, what kind of caused you to get, I mean, it's it's so courageous to even devote your life and advocate for such a topic that brings so much trauma, especially such a violent thing like domestic violence. What caused you to want to advocate? Um, it was really, really funny. Um, I, obviously, I got involved with White Ribbon, who I never knew about, um, anymore, a man actually introduced me to them, and um, yeah, it's, obviously that story, it's a kind of sad. Like I said, that you never knew about this stuff, and it's yeah. kind of to me, it's like wow. Um, 
let's start education still. But, you know, thinking where you yeah. were and thinking, no, that's not a thing in domestic violence. But yeah, sorry to cut you off. But yeah, no. Yeah, yeah we still got it's, That's right. And that's where I said, getting into the schools now, um, I love it because it, um, they actually get excited about it. And Definitely many is that when you spoke. <laughs> <laughs> when I, um, even going up to Kunnamulla, you know, the smaller um, central Queensland, they now um, in their libraries have got like red flags as a mural on their walls. And so the kids actually go back and, and spot red flags, which makes the conversation and, and which then helps the social workers and things like that realize that, oh yeah, little Johnny, you know, he's obviously seeing a lot more at home or it's been affecting him in that way. So having the red flags as a topic of conversation in the classroom, they get excited about it and um, being able to pick out a red flag. So it's helping them realize what domestic violence is. And more than not, it's, they're they're picking it up because it's happening at home. Yeah. 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 So it's, um, and I suppose with, um, I, I, you know, I, my, goal was to help that one female and child and I've realized that I have done that and um, I have a uh, each and every day to, to get me where I am today I, I say to myself stay positive never give up and and keep smiling and those three positive things have got me where I am today and I suppose I um, running the New York Marathon yeah. for us women and children in Australia um, just to prove to women look you can go from the brink of death to, to run the world's biggest marathon. And that's just my uh, way of looking at, at life now is we are put on this earth for a reason and we can achieve whatever we want. So let's don't give up women. Let's keep going and let's stop this, stamp this out and retrain our, our male figure to get the respect um, back from them. Because I just think over the time um, between, you know, it's all takeaway food or it's the um, technology Life has changed from when, um, I'm, I'm saying from when I was young, um, even I'm only 21 now, but um, <laughs> from when I was young, um, you know, there was no, the takeaway and things like that, there was no this technology and that wasn't back back then. And I think it's, we need to, yeah, get life back to a, a normal life and not have this fast lane that we're in. Mm, yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right. And then how do you continue to look after yourself and stay positive, like you, you said, and recover yeah. like mentally and physically? physically yeah. Like- um, I love exercise. So I'm, I do run every day um, and that just clears my head, get back from that and you just rip around to go. And even though, you know, I've lost my eyesight and different things, I, um, I turn that into a, a positive now and just think, oh, you know, wish I had my eye back. I, you know, I wouldn't trip over that stone or something like that but just turning everything into a positive and um not getting negative about it you know if i if i spill water from a jug because i i think oh just gotta clean that up now damn so i don't get myself stressed about it and you know obviously um in my life now where my children always came first i i do have to sort of put myself up in the bunch with them now and not come second because obviously my health um, needs the, the TLC. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I've had to span that out, but you know, it's feeling amazing in yourself. And that's my message out to women is, you know, just keep smiling and look after yourself. And I know I look different to every other woman now, um, but I can honestly say with my looks, um, 
prior to this, I never loved myself, but I actually do love myself now, which has given me a different look in life to say, I am me. I, I can do this. I can be here. And um, yeah, don't be embarrassed. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> um, and then I'd say that it's almost complete, like from the, oh. Oh, sorry, from the way that sorry. you're um, speaking is that you're, you seem to be a completely different person to what, you were, I mean, you've taken things every day, like not taking it for granted and quite grateful and things like that. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And, um, yeah, now, um, and my son, he used to say to me, mommy, how do you get up and speak? I said, I don't know, mate, we're not speakers, but <laughs> it's every time I do present, it's a healing process for me because, um, it's, but getting up and presenting, yeah, it's a healing process. It's like I lose 10 kilos off my shoulders because mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put it out onto the audience and um, it's an amazing feeling. So, yeah, I was never a speaker, but I am now. And, um, yeah, it's it's a great feeling helping that next person. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Is it um, – what's next? I mean, I also want to touch on you do amazing work with Carlton Football Club and Western Bulldogs. How did you fall yeah. into that role for listeners? I mean, how did that come about? It would be an amazing um, opportunity. With the um, um, with Western Bulldogs, um, that was the year they won the premiership. Actually, that I got involved with them, and White Ribbon were involved at the time. And they, because I, um, I'm actually a one-eyed, toothless Collingwood supporter now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, uh, um, White Ribbon knew I was, you know, like football. So they asked if I'd be involved with the Western Bulldogs and do a lot of work with them. And it's been fantastic um just knowing the support that these elite elite athletes uh want to be involved with myself and help with domestic violence and what they do as a club you know behind the scenes is uh, um above and beyond you know i'm so proud to be a part of them and even you know luke as a coach um you know he texts me every week just to make sure checks in on me and um absolutely fantastic so you know a bit of a, an honor there for myself with the work that I do to know that these elite athletes are behind domestic violence and want to make a change mm -hmm. um and with Carlton um how I got involved that was actually my daughter um was a, a friend Gabby was a friend with uh, a worker there and they just asked if I would um like to speak to the club and now obviously I'm an ambassador uh for their respects program and knowing that both the men and women um, in the Carlton um, AFL teams are involved. It's, you know, I suppose it's really hard to believe that um, it's uh, when I first spoke to the men, um, I took Zach with me and Eddie Betts come up to Zach and said, <laughs> do you know who I am? And Zach goes, yes. And um, he goes, and Eddie goes, oh, do you barrack for Adelaide? Oh, I mean, Carlton, he got his teams mixed up when he was talking <laughs> to Zach. But just to know that, um, I'm not alone. It's it's not just the schools that want to make a change. It's the whole of um, the whole of AFL. It's the whole of Australia um, that are behind me. And um, just something, even now we're in this COVID time. Carlton rang me um, a couple of weeks ago because obviously they're you know obviously back trying to do stuff now. And yeah. um, I'm very proud and honoured for Carlton to tell me that the Respects Program is something that they uh, keep going. Uh, allowed to keep going with now and um there will be a respects game this year and yeah proud to be be involved with it on the domestic violence side yeah 
and there'd be no better ambassador, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, oh, this is a, a pretty personal question, fine if you don't want to answer it or anything like that. Have you, did you, I guess, struggle for lack of better terms, trusting men again? And did Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That was um, a big part of your recovery and stuff like that. Sorry, are you there? Yep. yep, yep. Um, yeah, trusting men is a is a is a big thing, um, and a lot of a lot of my surgeons are men. And to be honest with you, that's why I fly back to Brisbane um, prior to COVID every seven to ten days for treatment because I trusted those men that saved my life. Yeah. And as in um, just in general now, I um, especially with my one eye, like if someone comes up on my right hand side, like and it's a man, I will, I will jump. Um, but little things like um, answering the door and that to a man that I don't know is, is very scary um, for myself. And that's why I've still got to have the counselling and, and Reiki and the, the trust. Um, you know, obviously I trust my dad and, you know, my nephews and different things. But um, any other men, you know, man, it, would, um, it definitely takes a lot um, for me to, to think, are they okay? You know, um, yeah, so I hope in time that may change for me. But you know what? Um, I'm open and honest and say, yeah, it's, um, it's not the best part of my life in, in trusting a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can feel for you about all that trauma and how hard that would be in rebuilding everything from scratch. And, you know, you're so inspirational. So like it's, it's amazing to oh, you it today. What yeah, are some of your, I guess, um, I guess for anyone listening out there who may or may not be experiencing family violence or domestic violence, what are some of your take-home messages, I mean, from this conversation we've had that you'd want them to really resonate with? Yeah, it is, um, if you're a bystander, please speak up. You know, that is how we're going to stop this um, epidemic in the homes. Um, look out for all little red flags. Um, as I said earlier, a little red flag can turn into a big red flag so quickly. Um, you know, mine was within 10 minutes, 6.06 or 6.16 on the evening and I was fighting for my life. So, and you look at my little red flags, they were just deleting contacts and flowers and things. There was no physical or um, mental side of it. So it's it's really, you know, looking into if someone says or they're, they're dressing differently than they normally would dress, if they normally have a short um, short sleeved shirt and you know they're dressing with long sleeves you know on a 30 degree day you know they might be covering up bruises yeah. they're little um if their life is not the same as what it normally be like if you knew I'll, I'll use my name you know Simone came to work and she would normally be there on a certain time da 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 and she was starting to have sick days but you know her children were at school you know is that you know a red flag it's worth questioning so any little change in, in a person that you know um, or you hear, please speak up. Exactly right. I completely yeah. agree. And, you don't, and then for the people who are their, their supports or someone that can have that opportunity, you don't have to give them the answer. No. It's wonderful no. now. With, I'm sure you're aware of all the like Royal Commission and information sharing legislation now that there are yeah. so many services who can work together and make a, per- Absolutely. a perpetrator or someone accountable. I think Absolutely. Um, you know, people really need to remember that, is that you know, we are now working together as a community in the services to help protect people who are experiencing yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. And that's where you're not alone. Like that's, um, 
is the most important thing is with the services and working as one, you know, whether you've got to get out of your home, um, being an ambassador for, you know, other um, different campaigns, you know, I've set up homes for women coming out of a, a refuge centre and different things. And it's, it's so inspiring and you, you just, you're helping that next person. And it's, um, I just sense goosebumps down me, even just knowing that they've gone home to their own home, you know, the child's got a bed and shampoo and conditioner. It's just so the, the services are there to help and you're not alone. Yeah, and and also on that, you might have completely agree, and you might have heard about. I think it was in Queensland, it might have been Brisbane. There was this huge furniture removal company that are helping domestic violence people yeah. experiencing domestic violence flee and escape. Like yeah, absolutely. Things like that really makes yeah. it in regards to this. That's a to- totally right, and um, I even know the body shop have gone on, you know, and supporting refuges and you know the smaller communities that don't have refuges and just to give out to to you know women in need when they're when they're fleeing because you know you don't think of taking shampoo and conditioner and all that type of thing but any you don't realize how something so small can be you know like an old handbag can be you know just a trill gift to a woman that's fleeing the home yeah you're exactly exactly right and just also noting that you know, we may not ever know just how trapped no. some of these people are. You know, like you Absolutely. said, saying, Absolutely. Help you seem different or, you know, things aren't right or picking up those signs as an outsider or a support can yep. really go a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Simone, um, I really thank you for coming on today and giving up your time. But no, I'm it's my absolute pleasure. More of your day and I'm sure it's beautiful and sunny in Brisbane and, I hope you um, continue to do the amazing work you do. I think everyone will get a lot out of this and the absolute inspiration. Thank you so much for having me. I really, it's really great. As I said, it's been a part of my healing to to chat today. So thank you so much. Thank you. I think a lot of people will get a lot out of it. Thank you, Simone. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man, Michael Peters, the man behind the camera. And also big, big love to 3 PC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. So big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe and all my love, guys. You. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man Michael Peters, the man behind the camera, and also big, big love to 3 PC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible, so big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe, and all my love, guys. Yeah.